This morning, our scripture reading, scripture reading comes from Hebrews 12, verse 3 to 17. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esso, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. I miss you last Sunday. We're not here, and um, uh, we are grateful that we are able to be together here. I just want to welcome Don Oscar. He is uh, Daisy's husband, and he is visiting, visiting us from Ecuador. So, bienvenido, Don Oscar. Me da mucho gusto de verlo de nuevo. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You gave it for our edification. You gave it for our correction. You gave it for our training in righteousness. You gave it to understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, make your word do all these things for us by faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Two Sundays ago, we started chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. And after mentioning all the great heroes of faith in chapter 11, now we come to the first verse in chapter 12, and it says, Therefore, since we have surround, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. 
Therefore, he continues, let me give you uh, some instructions to run the race of the Christian life, of the Christian life like one of these great heroes of faith. And he gave us, gave us three, three advices to do. The first is be prepared to run, setting aside the weight and sin that cling so closely. Second, he says, run the Christian life with perseverance. And third, run looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Notice that he is pointing again to Jesus as the book of Hebrews is doing since chapter, chapter 1, verse 1, and will continue until the end of chapter 13, looking at Jesus. How often we have seen a competition when one of the runners looks back to see who is behind, and in that little moment, someone else win the race. Those who look away from Christ, the goal of our race, will never finish the race well. And that is precisely what is happening around this early church to whom the writer is addressing these, this letter. They have begun to take their eyes off Christ and to fix them on the hardships around them. In the beginning, as in every competition, these Jewish Christians were filled with the joys of the final prize, which is Jesus but that initial rush of joy began to diminish because of the tribulations they were experiencing. Maybe some of, some of their friends abandoned them because of Jesus. Or perhaps they were no longer welcome in the synagogue or in the temple. Some have lost their jobs and their new faith did not protect them from their everyday struggles. They still suffer poverty. They still suffer um, hunger and illness, just like everyone else. And does this sound familiar to you? But look at our passage for this morning. Look at how the writer is trying to encourage this church. Believe it or not, the following verses are for their encouragement and are for our encouragement too. So if we go to verse 3, that is the first verse that we have in our reading for this morning, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, starts saying, Consider him. Consider Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, the author of Hebrews says, this race will not be a piece of cake. Consider Jesus. 
And if you consider Jesus, you will look at the cross. So he's saying, my dear brothers and sisters, the Christian race is not going to be easy. And it is true. You will not find a Bible verse where it describes our lives here on this side of eternity as an easy one. And I don't know if this truth is encouraging for you, but the fact is that it should encourage us to consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. The encouraging part comes in knowing that Jesus did it first. So you and I would not dare to think for a moment that this Christian race is impossible to finish. Look at Jesus. Therefore, be encouraged. Do not be weary or faint-hearted when we see Jesus. God in human form, we will know that our life is not as painful as it was for him, that our life is not as hard as it was for him. Notice what verse 4 says. Go with me to chapter 12, verse 4, and it says there, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding, shedding your blood. Jesus did suffer pain. Jesus did shed blood. Jesus did suffer death. But you know what? That's what the, the, the writer is telling us. You and I are not at this point yet. And that's how the writer is attempting to encourage these believers. Now, if you come to my office and ask me for a word of encouragement, I will probably not use this Bible verse. Imagine you coming to me someday and asking for some encouraging words. I tell you, dear, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So go in peace. <laughs> you will think that I lost my marbles, right? But hear me out. What the Holy Spirit tells us is that if we are still alive, we can continue to fight as Jesus did. Therefore, fight against sin. If you are still alive, you can keep running. Don't be weary or faint-hearted. This remind me, reminds me the words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul writes the following verse just before he was beheaded. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. What an example eh, for all of us. What an example. But there are more words of encouragement, if you like this kind of encouragement. There are more words of, of encouragement in these following verses. Look, at, look with me, Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. 
and listen to what he's saying there. Verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Verse 6, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son, son who he, whom he receives. Notice what the Holy Spirit is bringing to the mind of these hearers. These Jewish Christians, they knew these scriptures because they memorized them. They memorized them from school when they were kids. So the writer says, come on, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses as son and daughters? Have you forgotten what Proverbs chapter 3 says? That you are sons and daughters. Don't you remember that you belong to the Father? So that, that's why, if you read with me, he continues in verses 7 and 9, and it says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. And when you read this verse, you want to skip to the next one to see if it gets better, right? But it's there. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left, verse 8, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9, besides this, we have, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Even though we are often discouraged when we experience God's discipline, that is not the purpose of it. Discipline aims to prove that we are sons and daughters, true children of God. Through discipline, God shows us His love. Do you believe that? It's very hard to believe it, right? I grew up with a, without uh, a dad until I was nine years old, and of course, until that age, I grew up without discipline. A wild kid. But do you know what I wanted most as a young child? I wanted someone to pay enough attention to me to tell me when I did something wrong. I long for someone to tell me to stop when I was doing wrong, for someone to call me out. In other words, I longed for someone to discipline me because in my head, seeing a father correcting his son 
was the best proof that the son was loved by his father. And I didn't have that. But guess what? Nobody did it with me because a father disciplines his own children, not the neighbors. And that's what these verses are telling us here. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. J.C. Riley, in his comments about this verse, says the following. By affliction, he teaches us many precious lessons, which without it, we should never learn. By affliction, he shows us our emptiness and weakness, attracts us to the throne of grace, purifies us our affections, wins us from the world, and makes us long for, for heaven. He continues, In the resurrection morning we shall all say, It is good for me that I was afflicted. We shall thank God for every storm. And notice in this passage, the writer is not using the word training in his part, in this part, but he is using the word discipline. Both training and discipline almost mean the same, but in this, in this passage, the word discipline denotes a loving relationship between a father and a son, between a father and a daughter. For what son, says the, the passage that we just read, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? So, dear brothers and sisters, you can count your blessings when God disciplines you because that means that you are his children. That means that you are loved. That means that you are not abandoned as an orphan. You have, you have a father, a loving father taking care of you. And now the last part that we have in this, this passage here in, the, in, 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 in this part about the discipline that is for our encouragement, is that the discipline of our beloved Father has a purpose. If you go with me to Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11, we'll read there this. Verse 10. For they, they disciplined us, our parents disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But God but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, says verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, pleasant, but later it yields 
peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The first purpose of his discipline is that he disciplines us for our good. We tend to think we know what is for our good the same way children do. They think they know what's best for them regarding bedtime, diet, and friends. They think they know everything, right? But they need to learn that their parents, in the best of the cases, know better. And this is certainly true here regarding God as our loving Father. God, the good Father, knows what is best for us. And that leads us, leads us to the second part of this verse, because it describes there, it describes what is the goodness that God is talking about there, about, about it. In verse 10, it says that He disciplines us, that we may share His holiness. That is the Father's goodness for us that we may become like him in his character this is amazing my dear brothers and sisters god shares his character with us his sons and daughters through his loving discipline and his people says amen and what is his character. John, the disciple of Jesus, put it this way. The nature or the character of God is love. God is love. And he wants us to be like him. And we read in 1 Corinthians, the chapter of love says, love is Patient means God is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love does not act improperly or insist on having its own way. Love is not argumentative and doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love takes no delight in evil, but celebrates the truth. Love never gives up. Keeps, keeps on trusting. Stays confident and remains patient whatever happens. Love never fails. That is the character. That is the character of God that only comes from discipline. Discipline requires repetition. Discipline implies pain. Discipline implies chastisement. Discipline brings tears to our eyes. But it is necessary. If we want to give up jealousy, arrogance, 
pride or our own way of doing things. If we want to give up impatience, unkindness, self-seeking. So, if we want to give up all these things, we need the discipline of the good Father in heaven. Verse 11 closes this part saying this. I'm not reading the the ESV version, but pay attention to this version that I'm reading to you. Verse 11 says, Discipline never makes us happy at the time when we receive it. Never. No. The pain makes us sad, but later we know that the punishment has taught us things. It helped us live the right way and given us peace in our minds. What a beautiful result of God's discipline, right? But now, let's go to how should we respond to God's loving discipline? If you know to, want to know how, let's go to verse 12, 13, and 14. Go and open your Bibles there, and let's read together verses 12, 13, and 14. And it says, Therefore, we are talking about God's discipline, and therefore, now that you know that your Father is doing all this because He loves you, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Verse 14 continues and says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which No one will see the Lord. We observe three things here. First, we are called to tough it up. Yes, you read me correctly. Tough it up. Gain your spirit. Don't be discouraged so quickly and make sure you are showing your best attitude during this race, during this moment when God is training you, during this time when God is disciplining you. Lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. In the movie Cinderella Man, Cinderella Man, Russell Crowe plays a boxer who has everything against him. In the last fight in the movie, Russell is getting the beating of his life. And as he finished the third round, he walked into his corner, clearly tired and sore. And when he gets to his corner, his trainer tells him, Come on, son. Put your hands up. Smile and show your opponent in the other corner that you can take more and he obediently smiles raises his arms and start to wave in to the crowd 
That is what the Lord is telling us right now here. Come on, son. Put your hands up. Smile. Show your opponent that you can take more. In the in, in coaching terms, it is strengthen up. Get those hands and feet up. But the second thing that we find here, how should we respond to God's discipline? The second is, don't do it alone. Look at what the next part of the verse says there. Make straight path for your feet so that what is lay may not be put off joint, but rather, rather be healed. Make a straight path for your feet means to clear away obstacles and fill up the holes in the way so neither you nor other are, others are injured. Level the way for your feet and for the sake of others. Believers must help those with drooping hands and feeble needs. And believers need to receive with joy the assistance of others who are helping you when you have drooping hands and feeble knees. Believers must gather around, must clear away obstacles, and we need to point others, and we need to let others to point us ahead the finish line. The third aspect that we read here in this passage of how should we respond to God's discipline is that we are called to strive for peace. Remember? Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. No one can run this race alone. So the call is for peace with others that are running beside us. It is challenging to run this race. And it isn't easy to be in training, right? It is challenging to be disciplined, right? Now imagine do it, doing it with enmities and strife with those who are running beside you. It's double the effort. So the calling here is to keep running and strive for peace with everyone. And then he points us again the purpose of this discipline. Remember, is to be holy. The purpose is to be holy. Forget about this slogan, be happy. That's not the goal for the Christian. It's not to be happy, but it's to be holy. 
But now, in the closing verses, the writer is pointing to us three practices that we should avoid while we are in the discipline of the loving Father. Three practices that we need to, to, to avoid while we are running this race. So we find those in verses 15, and se- 15 to 17. If you go with me and we read together these verses, says verse 15, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Verse 16, that no one is sexual, immoral, or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a simple meal. And verse 17 says, For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he saw it, saw it with tears. There are three things here that we should avoid. The first one, First practice is to avoid being the one who fails to obtain the grace of God. It literally means to fall short of the grace of God. It literally means failing behind, falling behind, I'm sorry. And literally means not keeping the pace with the grace of God, which is available to keep you on the race. And how do you fail to obtain the grace of God? There are many things, but I want to mention just three today. How do we fail to obtain the grace of God? Well, first, when we don't confess our sins and repent. But also, when we don't feed on the Word of God regularly this is a means of grace for you if you don't feed on the word of god you are at great risk in your life and third when you don't live in fellowship with the people of god and i can't stress enough how important It is for Christians to make our weekly gatherings a priority. It is so important. If we want to avoid being the one who failed to obtain the grace of God, we need to be taking care of these three things that I just mentioned. But the second practice to avoid is to let the root of bitterness spring up. I don't have time to go into details here, but root of bitterness refers to a passage in the Old Testament that talks about a person who causes trouble, 
a person who causes others to go after false gods. And because of that person causing problems, others get called in their relationship with God. And that is the invitation here. Avoiding is avoiding letting the root of bitterness spring up and causes trouble, causing divisions, and by it, many become defiled. Defiled means contaminated or polluted. And you, you know that the, that happens in churches, right? Bitterness spring up. The race that we are in is a collective race. And therefore, you and I need to be careful in what we do, what we say, and what we have in our own hearts, because that means that what we have is going to affect those who are running with us. But the third practice to avoiding that is telling us in this passage is to devote ourselves to immediate gratification. The way the writer illustrates this point is through the example of Isa. Isa preferred to satisfy his physical appetites about waiting for God's future blessings. Let me repeat this. Isa preferred to satisfy his physical appetites about waiting for God's future blessings. Isa is a clear example of those with a secular mindset and immoral lifestyle. Isa knew everything about God. He knew every story about God, about the God of Abraham, about the, the, the God of Isaac, his father. He knew everything about the blessings he would receive in the future. But instead, he sold his birthright and decided to live a licentious life. If you go and read the story, you will, you will see that all these things are included in Isa's story. And then later, he, the writer tells us he regretted his actions. But the problem was that he never repented from, from rejecting God's grace. So here, the writer of Hebrews is calling our attention. Please be careful. And let me clarify something here, very important. This letter is written to believers. It's not for the people that don't know God. It's for the people of God. It's for the church. 
There are in the church, dear friends, people that have never experienced a profound change of heart. People who know much about God and the Bible, but have hardened their hearts and despised God's grace by living in their own ways. But the call for all of us this morning, brothers and sisters, is to avoid, first, to obtain, failing to obtain God's grace, to avoid letting the root of bitterness spring up, and to avoid devoting ourselves to immediate gratification. The race is difficult. I'll grant it that. And you know that already. And the only way that the book of Hebrews is telling us that we will be able to finish this race is to looking at Jesus. He did suffer as well, like you. He received God's discipline as well as you, looking at Jesus. And therefore, says, do not despise the discipline of the Lord, because that means good news for you and for me. That means that you and I are sons and daughters, and that we are receiving the care of a loving Father. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for the encouragement that you are giving us this morning to keep up running, not to be discouraged, to see your discipline as your loving way of showing us that we belong to you and that we are not orphans. Help us this morning, Lord, to avoid not getting the grace. Help us, Lord, to get rid of the roots of bitterness. And help us not to live on our own way, Lord. As Isa did it. In your name we pray. Amen.